That's their goal differential. Like that is that. Dude, they're they on, on pace, pace for a minus 200 goal differential this year. <laughs> it They are on pace to have the NHL's worst goal differential ever in the history of the league. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 195 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Just Cody and Melbourne with you for this one. Abrams is uh, feeling a little under the weather, which is certainly understandable this time of year. Chad, how you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, Case must have caught that that cold from you that you had last week. You know, without Case this week, without you last week, maybe I'll take the week off next week and and call in sick for the night. How's that sound? <laughs> Yeah, I took whatever I had and uh, put it in the mail and and uh, it ended up at Casey's house and now yeah. he's sick. So you're next, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it is a cold, miserable night in Toronto, Ontario tonight. It has been cold for the last few days, currently minus 10 here. And uh, let me tell you, Harp, it's not helping my back. You don't know about this, but since Wednesday of last week, so exactly one week ago today, you know, my New Year's resolution, like everybody else on the planet, is to what? Get back in the gym, get back into shape. Well, one of the first workouts I had back at the gym, I aggravated an old hockey injury that is related to my hip. And now that has turned into full blown sciatica pain through my left buttock all the way down my left leg and my hips. So when I tell you that I've been hobbling around for for the past week, I mean it. Like I have had troubles getting out of bed and it was not funny the first few days. I can laugh about it now because the pain is starting to get better and and I'm starting to be able to move around a bit more after doing, you know, persistent stretching and, and and exercises and movements to to help this and after consulting a, a physiotherapist um but man like let me tell you the cold and it's been cold these past few days does not help so i reiterate it's a cold miserable night in toronto and it doesn't help that the maple leafs are on a four game skid where they've blown a bunch of leads so i could be better if i'm being honest how about you yeah you know i i, I gotta tell you sort of uh feeling the january blah a, a little bit it uh you know just coming off the holiday break i was off for a couple of weeks this is only my second week back at work still not totally back into the groove of things and yeah man and it, uh, I, I think it's going to be minus twenty tonight, like late tonight, overnight uh, here in in the Brockville area as well. And um, so, getting up in the morning in the dark and getting to work and 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 all that hasn't been the easiest lately. And yeah, dude, like the, all that stuff with your back that sucks, by the way. And hopefully, it gets better. And and uh, that's no fun. But when it's cold, like just your muscles tighten up you just your body tenses up and everything and and uh hey man welcome to adult life you know we we work <laughs> here here are the, the there are three things we work too much don't get paid enough and our back hurts that those are like <laughs> the three main things that that i keep seeing about being an, an adult and uh certainly feel that so i feel your pain brother yeah, death, taxes, back pain, and the Maple Leafs causing a stir in the NHL no matter what's happening. But we're not talking about the Leafs today. We're no. going to talk about the Pacific Division. So, Harp, why don't you tee that up? Yeah, so uh, obviously we're at the midway point of the NHL season, and uh, a bunch of teams have already uh, surpassed the midway point of the season by uh, by a few games. Um, it's uh, it's it's been a fascinating season so far. Lots of storylines on and off the ice. You know, Jeff Merrick says it's been kind of a soap opera of of an NHL season, which it certainly has been. But yeah, it's uh, it's time to do our in season check ins with all four divisions, all of those teams, and we're going to start with uh, the Pacific. So we're going to structure this a little bit differently uh, compared to how we've done it in the past. So we're going to take a look at our original rankings before the start of the season, 
and uh and then we're we're gonna you know go into who we were most wrong about kind of tbd teams that are you know to be determined and and that sort of thing and where they're at and where we had them and then the ones that we were bang on about so chad why don't you um uh, rhyme off our original rankings for the pacific here that we had at the start of the season yeah so i'll do that and then compare those original predictions to the actual standings as it stands today uh january 17th which by the way we are recording on a wednesday night to release the podcast on a wednesday we don't do this very often so it's kind of interesting um you know usually by the time we get an episode out our info is delayed a little bit but uh you know it's kind of nice that we're doing it on a Wednesday. So here we are. Yeah. Um, Our original preseason rankings for the Pacific Division went as follows. Edmonton, Vegas, LA, Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary, Anaheim, San Jose. So right away, if you're a follower of the NHL, you're probably thinking there's at least one team in there that stands out as a team that we were most wrong about. We're going to get to that. Um, But here are the current standings in the Pacific Division. Vancouver, Vegas, LA, Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle, Anaheim, and then San Jose. Um, and, and just for a little more context, Vancouver has 62 points, Vegas with 55, LA with 50, Edmonton with 49, Calgary and Seattle with 47, Anaheim with 31, and San Jose with 24. So like I alluded to, Harp, we were most wrong about the Vancouver Canucks. We were sort of, you know, mad, like it's to be determined on a bunch of the teams in the middle, essentially two through six in the current standings. That's Vegas, LA, Edmonton, Calgary, and Seattle. And then we were bang on on Anaheim and San Jose, at least to this point in the season, uh, as it's currently shaking out the order that the standings are in. So, uh, yeah, why, why don't we go ahead and start then talking about Vancouver, the team that we were most wrong about, and maybe just bring up some of the reasons maybe why we were wrong. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, uh, what, what a... <laughs> What a difference a year makes for an organization, for starters. I mean, uh, it was drama land, all kinds of turmoil last season in in Vancouver with the Boudreaux firing and and Rick Tockett coming in, and and uh, you know just all the other storylines surrounding the team and and just all the turmoil and everything. But uh, look, we we saw that when Rick Tockett took over. Uh, down the stretch last year, they were very good. And uh, I think going into this season, you know, we kind of weren't sure. Um, we, I, I think we said that they look good enough to be a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. And, uh, you know, clearly we thought that, uh, you know, maybe they'll squeak in a wild card spot or something like that by having them in fifth. But boy, were we ever wrong. 62 points tied for first with the Winnipeg Jets, by the way. So great to see a couple Canadian teams at the top uh, for once. And uh, they've just had a tremendous season. They've got an elite player at each position, an elite forward in Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, an elite defenseman. He could win the Norris this year, certainly. And Thatcher Demko, a Vesna Trophy caliber netminder. And I think he's kind of the X factor here because he was hurt for a lot of last season. It was a year to forget for Thatcher Demko. And uh, there were a lot of people picking him to, you know, win the Vesna this year. And he is that good. You know, I watched him against my Sabres on the weekend there. And if it weren't for Thatcher Demko, we probably would have won that game. And uh, and the other thing is, like, they're getting contributions from everybody in that lineup. Look at the year that Brock Besser is having. Um, you know, uh, a guy like Andre Kuzmenko has had a lot of ups and downs, has been battling with Tockett in now the lineup, but he's been playing better. A guy like Connor Garland has been playing better. Dakota Joshua, you know, look at the uh, the year that he's having as a depth forward. Got to mention Philip Hironik as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been fantastic. It kind of reminds me um, th- this year, Hughes and Hironik, it kind of reminds me of like McAvoy Lindholm last year mm-hmm. in Boston, how 
you could have you could make an argument for both of those guys that they deserve um uh Norris trophy consideration. Uh so it's just been a tremendous run for the Vancouver Canucks for so many years now. We've been talking about this team as a uh that you know on paper with the guys that they have that young core they should be a contender and it was looking like for a while there that they wasted this core. Well, finally, it took a while but finally, they've uh, they've been able to to be this good. I forgot to mention JT Miller as well. He's been absolutely unreal. So seven two and one, their last ten, tied for first overall. And uh, I I see the Canucks as a Stanley Cup contender as they're currently constituted. Your thoughts on Vancouver? That is just crazy to hear that we're thinking of the Canucks, and and I'm in agreement here. I think they are yep. legitimately a possible Stanley Cup contender. Like they look that good, um, and it's crazy that we're saying that because they've been such a weirdly below average team for the last I don't know five years or so since this whole core has been around. We've been looking at this team on paper and saying it should be better, and they would have players who have great individual seasons, but they weren't able to string together, you know, consecutive wins. And under Tockett, that's almost exclusively what they've done. They've been on a heater since he took over as head coach last season. And, uh, you know, they're just showing that they deserve to be considered, you know, one of the best teams in the league. Um, You mentioned they have a stud or two at every single position. I think that's so key. And Demko has played out of his mind this year, uh, which has been incredible. Last year, you know, we had some injuries. And when he was in the net, he wasn't exactly that good until down the stretch. So, you know, it's nice to see that their their goalie, who looks like a Vesna candidate right now, um, you know, is playing well. The one thing I'll say about Vancouver, um, actually, before I get into this, Case is not on this episode, and next week, I, I just want to put this out here because he's going to try it next week, and if he's he's listening to this, then I hope it gets a, a, a smile and a chuckle and brought up next week, but he's going to try to tell you, I told you so, about the Vancouver Canucks, but let me be very clear here. He had the Canucks in the fourth spot in his predictions. And you and I both had them in number five. So even Casey, who was higher on the Canucks than we were, did not predict them being this good this season. So I just want to put that out there if Case is uh, listening to this. Don't try it next week. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the one thing I I did want to get into with, with Vancouver is they are the team right now who is scoring the most above expected uh, in the entire NHL. What that usually means is that regression is coming. The thing is, we've been saying this for the past month. All of the people interested in advanced analytics have been keeping track of this. Um, They're scoring way more than expected and they're getting a ton more saves than expected, Um, which, you know, you can attribute that to luck or you can attribute that to having really good finishers and a really good goaltender. So you can kind of make up your mind as to, you know, what you think that is for, for the Vancouver Canucks. But I just wanted to put that out there in terms of expected goals for and against, uh, for both of those numbers, they're still in the top 10, uh, in the entire NHL in all situations. So I think that might be carried a little bit by, by their special teams. I know their power play has a bunch of weapons on it and, uh, and it's pretty good, but like, even though they're scoring above expected and getting more saves above expected than a lot of teams in the league. Um, their underlying numbers aren't that bad. Like they're pretty good. They're top third in the NHL. All that to say, I don't know if they're the number one best team in the league, you know, in terms of points by the end of the season, I, I'm not going to predict a president's trophy win here, but I will say they are comfortably a playoff team. And like we both said, uh, I think they have a legit chance to compete for the Stanley Cup, which is crazy because we picked them to finish fifth at the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, the Canucks and the Canadians, the uh, the last uh, two Canadian teams to make it to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Canadians, um, you know, has a bit of an asterisk uh, attached to it because, you know, COVID and, and everything and 
And uh, don't tell Habs that, fans that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Geez, I might, uh, I, I might get in a lot of trouble for saying that. But uh, and then, of course, he had Vancouver losing to uh, to Boston in uh, in 2011. So um, yeah, but uh, I, I'm with you, man. And and you know, looking at the the numbers and the analytics and everything, yeah, like they're shooting the lights out. A lot of guys are having career years regression is coming next year for for these guys like you know Brock Besser is having just an insane season for for example mm-hmm. Philip Hronick is in a contract year uh yeah. and, and and the list goes on but it's all the more reason for this organization to take advantage of a year like this by the way Elias Pettersson needs a new contract after this year take advantage of this year and go for it I think you have to. I look at the Panthers last season. They got in by the skin of their teeth. An elite player in Matthew Kachuk. Uh, you know, a couple of elite defensemen and a goaltender who got really hot in Sergei Bobrovsky. Vancouver has all of those elements to be able to go on a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the other thing, and Emerson, I got to give him credit for this. He brought it up the other night. Man, this... As, as tough of, as it was to make this decision, they made the right one moving on from Bo Horvat and committing to JT Miller because he is an absolute prick on the ice and he is an elite player in the NHL. Yeah, man, like absolute fantasy workhorse. The guy does everything on the ice, plays in all yeah. situations. He's a guy who, you know, in the past there were plenty of concerns and and rightfully so defensively in his game that's something that he's worked on and you know not to mention that he's on pace for whatever it is 110 plus points so you know he's had a great season again and you're right man maybe they you know did pick the right guy even though at the time we weren't exactly sure but going back to Pedersen um man like his next deal I know he's an RFA so he's not going to get maybe as much as as a ufa could command but my god it's got to be between 12 and 13 no it's got to start with at least a 12 i i think and again my my brother and i have talked about this a little bit i think there potentially we could see him become the next highest paid player in the league on on his next deal yeah i mean i guess it depends how long he signs for it too because that impacts the like the if dollar, it's but if it's an eight year deal, like if it's max term, I could see I could see him becoming the 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 next highest paid player in the NHL. I, I really could see that. Yeah, which by the way, I don't think it will be eight years because there's been so much mm-hmm. you know turmoil between the two sides. I feel like mm-hmm. I, I don't, and this is just kind of speculating, but I feel like Pedersen yeah. would be a guy to sign, you know, a twelve and a half times four years or something and then when the cap goes up again then he cashes in for you know 16 by eight or or whatever it's it is at that point so yeah i and because you know like we've kind of mentioned vancouver's having a great season but there's been a lot of uncertainty in years past and you know in the future there's also a bit of uncertainty too so you never know if he wants to commit for that long but i think that's enough about vancouver Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and I want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or to get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there's never been a better time to sign up. So when you visit our page at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through the link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand in the meantime, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. 
This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek using the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Should we go and and now move on to talking about some of the teams that, you know, it's kind of to be determined whether we were right or not. And I ad- identified basically all the teams in the middle. Vegas is in second right now. That's where we had them. Uh, so we were technically bang on, but obviously they're not securely in that second place. Uh, a lot can happen from now to the end of the season. Uh, the LA Kings, are, we, we picked in third, but they're also currently in third in the in in the standings as of today only by one point so technically as of today we're bang on which is nice but still a lot of uncertainty there and then Edmonton Calgary and Seattle in the 456 uh we had Seattle 4 uh Edmonton 1 and Calgary 6 so i guess i'll just put it to you harp like where exactly do you want to go here we don't really have to touch on every team we can just kind of you yeah. know if, if there's something we want to point out we'll we'll go to that well, I, I, I immediately want to go to the hottest team in the NHL, and uh, I'm sorry, Chad, they beat your Maple Leafs the other night, but uh, it's it's the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, after what was a disastrous start to the season, Jay Woodcroft gets let go, Chris Knobloch comes, uh, comes in, they get that new coach bump, but it was kind of short-lived, and it's like, oh, great, you know, the, the same problems are back or whatever. There was definitely concern, no doubt. And a lot of us were being very critical of Ken Holland and the way this roster has been constructed and yada, yada, yada. But man, I, I think we just knew like that this team is too good to not suck and, you know, or, or that this team is too good to, to be bad and to not be a playoff team and ultimately a Stanley Cup contender. Stuart Skinner becomes the guy between the pipes. Um, you know, the the defense improves with, you know, with with, with Bouchard and and Ekholm and and uh McDavid just was not himself at the start of the year. He was not healthy. They've got Dreisidel to Nuge, Kane, Zach Hyman who's on pace for 55 goals. That's got to hurt a little bit, losing that guy, I'm sorry to say. Kidding. But uh, this team is just too good, man. They've won 11 in a row now, absolutely going, and uh, they, are, they are still a Stanley Cup contender in my eyes. It goes to show that Connor McDavid should win the Hart Trophy every single year. Every single year. Out of the gate, he was about a point per game for like, what, 15 games? And the team was terrible. <laughs> if he's not like a point and a half to two points a game, like the team is just not good, which is ridiculous. And I know Dry Saddle's there, but the two of those guys, they're they're the horses. And when they they're are. not going, the entire team is it is just not good. So no. talk about a premature coaching fire of Jay Woodcroft like that is the definition of a premature fire because when you look at the the players on this team and you just look at the scenario okay let's map out exactly what happened McDavid wasn't going Dreisaitl wasn't going and you weren't getting a save all three of those things are not sustainable but instead of just letting it ride out and and you know establishing or or keeping the the same message that had been established by Woodcroft. Instead, they go out and get someone new and all of a sudden they start winning and they get the new coach bump and everything. I just like, I call me a hater because they beat the Leafs the other day, but (laughs) I, I can't attribute the, the, winning streak to a new coach bump because no, I no. think that this team would have the exact same record with Jay Woodcroft as their coach. I, I agree. Look, and and uh, Woodcroft is going to coach again in this league. I think he's a great coach. He was one of my favorite coaches, like, you know, when he was with the Oilers and he did a great job, like got them to the final four two years ago 
had a, a, an amazing record and uh, he really got a raw deal there. But I think the other factor was um, that this team is now Jeff Jackson's, you know, McDavid's former agent. He's now the CEO. And for years, he's been talking about Chris Knobloch and how highly he thinks of him. And so he was looking to bring him in anyway at some point. And I think this really gave him an excuse to do so. But um, yeah, 100%. I, you know, I, I just think the narrative yeah. around this is lazy, though. And I hear I even this morning mm-hmm. on first up with with uh, Carlo Koliakobo, I heard him say and no disrespect to Carlo, but I heard him say, you know, it didn't work out in Edmonton. They changed the coach and that they solved the issue. It's like. No, man, that wasn't the issue. Like it it just, so I don't, I hate the narrative. I think it's lazy and I don't want to give credit to a new coach who, you know, Mm. cause like how much can a coach even like, I don't know. I was talking with, with John about this today and we both kind of have this feeling that a coach can only do so much and firing a coach, you know, you might get a spark, you might get a, a new coach bump. And, you know, certainly there are some, some coaches who, have their teams ready to run through a brick wall, you know, like, like Rick mm-hmm. Tockett clearly changed the culture, but that was a more underlying issue in Vancouver. Yeah, um, that's right. And, and Rod Brindamore, like former player, like I think he would have success no matter where he goes just because of, of what he brings. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily his system, but anyway, I don't want to get down a rabbit hole yeah. on this. I just wanted yeah. to say that I think Edmonton has always been a good team. They just had some, some struggles out of the gate and it was going to, to solve itself no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, you know, that some concerns early on, it was a disastrous start, but I think we all knew that this team was going to get out of it and get back into the race. And, uh, and they they will be a playoff team here. They've, they've caught the LA Kings just about one point behind them. And uh, they're 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 a contender for sure. So um, let's uh, let's go to the other side of the Battle of Alberta, Chad. The Calgary Flames, who are hanging around, they've won four in a row. Big overtime win uh, last night over the Arizona Coyotes. Beautiful goal in overtime by Yegor Sharangovich, and what a great fit it's been. For Sharon Govich and the Calgary Flames, what a year Blake Coleman is having mm-hmm. as well. 20 goals, he's got 38 points and a plus 24. And, uh, you know, I was kind of laughing a, a little bit to myself, you know, looking at some Calgary stats. And I'm just like, you know, at least one guy on a long-term deal is performing well. And I think you know what I mean when, uh, when, when, I, when I say that. Uh, you know, you know, there may be a guy making ten and a half million who's uh, not living up to that deal and may never live up oh to boy. that deal. So, you know, Sharon Govich, Coleman, they've been great. Uh, Connor Zary, what a great story he's been as well. Great young player. Jacob Markstrom, too. Really big factor. He has been a lot better this season for the Flames. So one of the more interesting teams to follow, man, they've got the pending UFAs, obviously, and they've got some decisions to make there. But uh, it's nice to see Calgary kind of get back into the race here. Yeah, I mean, like you just look quick at at some of their service level numbers, right? Like 47 points in 44 games. They have a goal differential of zero, 139 for, 139 against. And when you dig into the advanced numbers, all of that kind of checks out. Like expected goals for and expected goals against, like they're around middle of the pack. Um, and and like they're getting decent goaltending, they're getting decent finishing. It's just, you know, they're kind of a whole hum team with some contracts that make it sort of tough to to get much better unless those guys in particular get better so i think calgary right now in the number five spot kind of checks out it's to be determined but i don't know if they're if they're better than this i don't know if they're worse than this i think this is kind of just what they are and you know they could potentially still make the playoffs. Like there, there's no question mm-hmm. there. They're only two points behind the Oilers and, and they're only three points behind the LA Kings. So playoffs are not out of the question. And this team, no. like that would mean a lot to them to make the playoffs. Yeah. And, and, you know, because maybe they're a team who just gets in and they're able to elevate their game. Like we've seen a lot of teams who are able to do that. Right. Especially teams with solid 
defense cores. And yeah. that's what they have. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what they do at the deadline still. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like we picked them to finish in sixth, currently in fifth, tied with the Seattle Kraken. Um, so I guess technically you could say maybe like they're fifth or sixth. It's kind of like where we expected them to be. So, yeah. you know, I don't have much more to say on, on Calgary. I'll, no. I'll let you chime in if you want, but also like yeah. we should talk about Seattle, who's kind of in yeah. a similar position as well. Yeah, definitely. The The last thing I'll say about the Flames, um, you know, if, if you're Craig Conroy, like, y- you know, do, I, I just think like, is it worth making the playoffs this year just to be out in the first round when you can maximize your return on a couple of these UFAs, whether it's Lindholm, Hannafin, Tanev, you know, whoever. Yeah. And really, really look towards the future a little bit. And I think like if you deal one or two of those guys, like chances are like you can, you could still be competitive enough to maybe squeak in. Uh, in a wild card spot, kind of like the Nashville Predators last year, like they sold off a bit, and then they were still competitive right till the end. I don't know. It's it's something that uh, that I heard Haley Salvian of the Athletic um, bring up today, and uh, I thought it was a really really good point by her. Well, I think maximizing your returns for you know guys like Tanev Lindholm, if they decide that you know, they aren't going to resign in Calgary. You kind of don't have an option. Like, yeah. like you said, this, this team kind of is what it is. And is it really worth it to, to squeak into the playoffs and, you know, just to, to be bounced in the first round and not really have a roster that stacks up to other teams in the West? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they could potentially play Vegas or Vancouver in the first round. And, yeah. you know, think about Vegas playing Calgary, they would stomp them. It wouldn't even be close. Um, you know, unless Markstrom is, is super hot and yeah, and the stars like, on Calgary figure it out. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like maybe they could elevate, but mm-hmm. it just seems like given the contract scenario right now with mm-hmm. all of these guys who are on expiring deals, it might make sense to, to kind of capitalize, do a two year sort of retool you know, you've still got yeah. those players on on big contracts, but then you've still got younger players coming up who are going to contribute. You've got your goalie of the future already. You only need a couple more, you know, big pieces to hit. And then you've got not just a competitive team, but a really good one. So Absolutely. maybe that's the direction. I think that's what I would do personally. I'm not exactly sure what, what Conroy and company want to do. And that's why we say, like, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Absolutely. Uh, let's let's talk about Seattle. You mentioned them a, a minute ago. They're very much in the TBD category, and uh, it was an ugly start for this team. I think we were all looking at the crack and being like, you know, they took a nice step forward last year, but a lot of guys had career years shooting the lights out in terms of shooting percentage. You know, they didn't have great goaltending, but like collectively as a group, they were able to get the job done and make it into the second round of the playoffs. Um, Knocking out Colorado in the first round, uh, most notably. But uh, man, Seattle has turned their season right around. They're right in it in this division in terms of the playoff race. Eight and two in their last 10. Oliver Bjorkstrand. Heard Ron Francis, uh, the GM of the Kraken, say that he's a guy that doesn't get enough love when it comes to Mm -hmm. uh, Seattle. You know, we focus on guys like Vince Dunn and Matty Beneers, and the list goes on. And then, man, again, another goaltender that the Ottawa Senators lose out of the organization, (laughs) Joey Decord. And uh, he has been arguably the the biggest reason why they have completely turned their season around he has been absolutely fantastic and i got to see seattle uh last week i believe it was against uh against my sabers and uh you know for probably 13 straight minutes i mean we just dominated like we were all mm-hmm. over them and uh and and he was fantastic so uh yeah the uh the kraken we had them in uh had them in the five spot and 
right and they're currently in sixth but again right there we, we had the kraken in the fourth oh in the um, fourth spot right yeah okay yeah. so and yeah. and they're currently tied for fifth with calgary so i they're yeah. slotted into the sixth spot because they have two fewer regulation wins but right. they're only two points back of edmonton three points back of la granted mm-hmm. both the flames and the kraken have played uh more games they've both played 44 games to la's 41 and edmonton's uh 40 but you know with all that being said you know going into this season we didn't think goaltending was going to be a strength so it's kind of nice for them that joey decord has been such a good story and and you're right like i i listen back to our preseason rankings um, on the Pacific Division, and that was one of the things we said that you know we're expecting regression from this team because they had so many players last year who just scored above what they were expected to score, and you know this year, like they they are a minus six in goal differential, so they are still giving up more than they're scoring. So maybe that regression has come a little bit, but I think that this team is you know. It's it's kind of fitting where they are right now that they're a bubble playoff team because you know they could turn it around a little bit and make it like they've been doing eight two and zero in their last ten, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, or maybe they just you know are content to to miss and get a bit of a higher pick. I guess we'll see down the stretch. It's another interesting team, but when I look at the Pacific Division, I think going into this season it was very like you know seven and eight. We were bang on with Anaheim and, and San Jose, and yeah, and but then everything above that, we weren't really sure. No, I think this year has given us a bit more clarity on who some of these teams really are, like Calgary and and, and Seattle, especially. I think these two teams are just kind of bubble playoff teams, and yep. they're a move or two away from from being impactful. And I think for Seattle, you know. This season, we were expecting Shane Wright to be a mainstay and, you know, there would be more of like a young, uh, eventful presence in the lineup with him there. But, you know, that didn't happen and and maybe it's for the best. I guess we'll just have to see next year. But yeah, for me, Seattle and Calgary are in the same position. Um, But I think as it stands, Seattle has a better future in terms of prospects. They had so many guys at the World Juniors who were were just great. Um, And Calgary, you know, doesn't really have that. So I guess that might tell you what direction they're going to go in. But then again, you never really know because you know, there are so many teams who just kind of hang on, right? Like, yeah, like Philadelphia, yeah. even this year has, oh boy. You know, they weren't expected to be good, but no, they, they are. And, you know, teams like Nashville and St. Louis, like, you know, kind of just middle of the pack hanging up. Minnesota is another team like, yeah, you know, so they, both teams have a shot. I'll, I'll say that, but I'm not surprised where either of them are in the standings right now, given, uh, where we projected them to be yeah absolutely no i totally agree seattle and in calgary especially are kind of in that uh you know playoff bubble team category for sure uh we'll, we'll move on to la and uh and vegas next in this uh tbd category go to the la kings and uh man have they struggled mightily they've kind of fallen off a cliff here the last little bit one win in their last 10 that's it for the uh for the vegas golden knights and i don't have much or or excuse me for the la LA kings Kings. not the vegas golden knights la vegas is who we're going to talk about next um but uh yeah la one win in their last 10 and i i don't have a lot to say about this team man like you know Obviously, Trevor Moore has had a fantastic season. Again, sorry, Chad. Uh, he's he's got twenty goals on the year, and and uh, the the struggles for guys like Dubois and Kaliev really stick out. I just don't think they're getting enough uh, depth in their forward group, and Dubois is a big part of that because of the trade. He's got the big contract. You look at how well Winnipeg is doing, all of it. But like, did this team peak? too soon like is that what happened with the la kings what do you think honestly honestly i don't think so i i think this team is going to be just fine 
I'm sort of surprised that the rest of the league isn't freaking out like like you kind of just were about their record and specifically their last 10, like one win in their last 10. I'm sort of surprised that this hasn't gained more traction, but it's just the market, I guess, right? Like it's, you know, if this was happening in Toronto, which it almost <laughs> kind of is at this point, it, yeah. the world would be going crazy. But, you know, I, I'm not overly worried about LA, if I'm being honest. They've got a good team with, with some underperforming players like Dubois who are going to figure it out. Um, I think they, you know, like we, I listened back, I mentioned to our Pacific division preview at the start of the year. And we were talking about how impactful Brant Clark could be. And, you know, this season, how many games has, has Brant Clark even played? Like, like three games looking now he's played three games. So I don't know. I think that's a player that maybe deserves a more extended look, like just to change something up. But you know, Kopitar's had another great season. He's just shy of a point per game. Uh, Kempe, same thing. Fiala, same thing. All three of those guys are just shy of a point per game. So it's really just the depth scoring. Like you mentioned that Trevor Morris, 20 goals and, you know, Quinton Byfield is actually starting to come around too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think this is a team that will be fine and I'm not overly worried about them. And even though this is in the category of to be determined because this uh, race is so close. We did it. We did put LA in the third spot in our yep. initial predictions and they are currently in the third spot in today's standing. So, you know, you can consider that bang on if, if you really want to, but I'm not worried about the Kings. They're a playoff team. They'll figure it out despite the fact that they're going through a pretty tough skid right now. They are absolutely. Um, and uh, look, I like obviously am concerned about the Kings right now and maybe overreacting a little bit. Look, at the end of the day, I still think that this team is is a playoff team and could be a, a very tough out once again uh, in the playoffs. So, um, definitely, yeah they they will they will figure this out here in in the second half of the season and be able to get in. Uh, you know, to kind of stick with our original rankings somewhat. I don't think Edmonton is going to finish first in this division by any means because Vancouver is kind of running away with it. But uh, I, I do think Edmonton will surpass LA for that third spot or even mm-hmm. jump into second past the Vegas Golden Knights with the way things are going in Vegas um, as well. And uh, but Man, yeah, LA is still a playoff team. If you're the wild card though, like man, I don't I don't like wouldn't you rather play Vancouver than Vegas in the first round? Like and it's not guaranteed that it would be Vancouver. It could be, you know, whoever's in the central number one it could be uh who's Colorado, one, Colorado. Winnipeg, Dallas. I guess Winnipeg is right now, right? Winnipeg, so, yeah. Yeah. So it could be tougher, but man, if I'm picking between yeah. Vancouver and and uh, Vegas, I'm picking Vancouver every day of the week. Like yeah, meaning that's, a team I would want to play in, that's the, fair. in the playoffs. Because yeah. Vegas, like, I know like there's some recency bias because they're they're the reigning cup champs, but mm-hmm. they're just built for the playoffs, man. Like they every are. player on their team is just big and nasty and they yep. shut you down defensively. And yeah, so I don't like, yeah, I agree with you. I think Edmonton will probably finish in that two spot. Um, because we knew they were good. It just took them a while. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, going to have to play Vegas. Like, that's yeah. not great in the first round for McDavid. You'd probably rather be playing someone else. But yeah. anyway, that's just my yeah. little spiel. No, that's, that's a great point. And I think that, uh, like, we really realize now, um, after really the last three cup winners, you know, Tampa, Colorado, and and Vegas that uh, you need a a big long mobile defense and Vegas mm-hmm. has that they are certainly built to win the Stanley Cup when they're healthy though Chad yes. and that That's is a the big key problem thing. that is a big issue with the Vegas Golden Knights right now Jack Eichel is week to week William Carlson is out of the lineup William Carrier Ben Hutton. Tobias Bjornfoot, who is a waiver claim, like Aiden Hill as well. Like this is a banged up 
hockey club right now, man. And so that has obviously contributed to their struggles, four and six in their last 10. Um, but they've kind of struggled offensively as well. You know, a, a guy like Ivan Barbashev, who was a, a big part of their playoff run and and uh, and getting them to the Stanley Cup finals last year and eventually winning against the Florida Panthers, you know, obviously warranted a, uh, a new contract and they had to move on from Riley Smith and all that. But uh, Barbashev just hasn't had the same kind of follow-up season with, uh, with this team. And, you know, now Chandler Stevenson becomes your, your number one center. And Stevenson is a good player, but I think you're looking at for, for some, some more um, offensive uh, firepower from, from him as well. And uh, yeah, this, this team has just been banged up and, but as soon as they get healthy, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the exact same group from last season. They're only missing mm-hmm. two guys and Riley Smith and Phil Kessel. I heard that today, everyone's back. So if they can get healthy and get things going again, they could certainly take another run at it. That wouldn't be a surprise at all. But uh, yeah, Vegas is kind of going through it right now. But uh, as soon as they get healthy again and get things sorted out, I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, same here. 100%. We knew health is going to be a perpetual issue for this team. I heard that, you know, I think it was Elliot Friedman who was saying that some people are looking at the Jack Eichel injury and getting a little bit worried and hoping that it's not in any way related to you know the the surgery that he had but mm-hmm. i think he didn't he undergo a different surgery for yeah, this so current it's, injury it's it's a it's a weird one like we don't know what happened what exactly it is it's a lower body injury that he had surgery on so he just had surgery and he's now considered week to week hmm so, lower body but the the big surgery was that would probably be considered upper body right on on the on the neck yeah on his yeah so yeah the uh the adr surgery the artificial disc replacement well i mean we'll see right like jack eichel is is their best player i think he is yeah fair to say their best offensive player anyway um But a, a guy, you know, Jonathan Marshall hasn't had the greatest season so far. And, no. you know, coming off of, you know, he scored, I'm just looking at it now, 13 goals and 25 points in 22 playoff games and, you know, winning the con Smythe. Like, you know, like you kind of expect more, but I guess yeah, it matters in the playoffs uh, more than the regular season, right? So it's not that big of a deal but then another thing about this team and you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about the injuries Aiden Hill's been injured but man like the the tandem of Hill and Thompson even though they've both gone through some injury trouble this year so that's been kind of of difficult it's been really good like absolutely the the numbers for both of those guys have been great and you know everybody kind of shit on the the Aiden Hill contract and I was kind of participating in that saying like you know, this is a random guy like who's never had consistent experience in the NHL. Why are you paying him this money? But you know what? It, 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 it's been working. They've kind of figured it out. And as long as one, but ideally, if both of those guys are healthy, come playoff time, it's going to be really nice for them. But yeah, we, we pick Vegas to finish in the two spot. They're currently in the two spot. So, you know, a lot of hockey left to play here, but uh not so bad on our predictions. If you actually yeah. want to do it that way, based on how it is today versus what we predicted, we actually have four out of the eight teams in in the exact position we predicted them. And then if you want to say that Calgary and Seattle are tied for sixth instead of fifth, then that's five out of eight because they both have, have 47 and 44. We'll take it, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. Not okay, so then the, the other two teams, Harp, that, that mm-hmm. we're bang on about, Anaheim and San Jose. Yeah. Let's just wrap up talking about those two teams. Yeah. The one thing that I want to say, and, and we'll go to Anaheim first, that yep. I, I just wanted to mention is I'm very disappointed in, in the production from Trevor Zegras this year. It's tough to see, man. This is a guy who had back-to-back 60-plus point seasons 
And this year, you know, everyone expected him to break out and it just hasn't happened. And we don't necessarily know why, but something's got to give there, man. Well, and now with with the Carter Gauthier acquisition for Jamie Drysdale, I mean, Mm -hmm. you kind of start to wonder about the future of Trevor Zegris in, in Anaheim. Let's not forget that Pat Verbeek didn't select this player by mm-hmm. um, for, from what we've heard from Frank Saravalli and other hockey insiders. It was a very tough negotiation this summer between Zegris and the Anaheim Ducks. He only gets that three-year deal. Really, really tough season for him. Now he's injured, you know, um, obviously uh, isn't really uh, hasn't, hasn't really grasped the defensive part of the game. He's got all the talent in the world, no question. But yeah, it's been tough sledding for Zegris and Anaheim. And I just wonder what the what the future is there. But look, for this Ducks team, like it is disappointing be in another way because they started the year nine and six. I think they won yeah. six, six or seven in a row. They've won six games since then. Six. Yeah. Since that yeah, nine and six that's... start. And here we are halfway through the season. They get shut out the other night in Washington. And, you know, it's just, again, it's, it's, uh, it, it was a year of early optimism, but this team is just so young and inexperienced, especially on the back end. And uh, mm-hmm. I really feel for a guy like Cam Fowler because uh, so much has been put on him for the last couple of years. But look, it's such a bright future, especially on the back end and up front. You know, really good numbers from a guy like Mason McTavish uh, this season. And uh, Frank Vetrano as well has had a really great year for Anaheim. Lucas Dostal looks like the, the goalie of the future. You know, going mm-hmm. back to the blue line, Pavel Minchikov has been a nice surprise as one of the top rookies this season. I think Adam Henrique will will get dealt at the deadline. There should be a lot of interest around him. He's having a good season. But yeah, disappointing uh, the, the way that the Ducks have gone here after what was a really great start under Greg Cronin. But again, just another year for this Ducks team to... Um, you know, stockpile some some more picks and prospects, and and continue to move this uh, rebuild forward. And they're going to have another high pick here in this draft. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all I have on the Ducks, man. Yeah, well, just as you're as I'm listening to you talk about you know the, the Ducks here, I'm doing some more research because Trevor Zegras is stuck in my head. And I just wanted to bring it back to him for a quick second. Yeah. Through 20 games, he has just seven points, four goals, three assists. You know, he's playing 17, 20 on average a game. That's second, you know, that is potentially first line minutes depending on on the allocation. So he's playing top six minutes consistently. He has seven points in 20 games played. Now, like you mentioned, he's injured. Dude, he's on pace for less than 30 points in a season with, with, with that pace. But I just want to reiterate, like this is so shocking because going into this season, you know, he signs his deal. Everyone was sort of saying that it was a bit of a, of a shocking low ball deal that was signed. Because if you look at some of the other players in his draft class who got bigger deals, you know, he has more points at the NHL level than a lot of those guys. So, yeah. you know, going back to 2019, here's some of, of the top players in that draft. Jack Hughes, number one, obvious best player. And it's not even close. Yep. But then there's Dylan Cousins, seventh overall, you know, Matt Boldy, 12th overall, Cole Caulfield, 15th overall, and Trevor Zegras, ninth overall. And of, of course, then there's Capo Caco. He, he's in there too, Kirby mm-hmm. Doc, and, and there's, you know, the, the two and three picks. But mm-hmm. of all of those players from that 2019 draft, only one, currently, only one has more points than Trevor Zegras. And it's Jack Hughes. Yeah. A literal, like, game-changing franchise center. Jack Hughes. 
He's the only player from that draft who has more points than Trevor Zegras. Yet, players like Dylan Cousins, Matt Boldy, and Cole Caulfield all got more money. And they're all, you know, having, for the most part, better seasons. And it's just a shame to look at. It, it Like this, it's a bit of a fall off for a season. And for Zegras and the Ducks, you hope that it doesn't last. It's just, to me, it's shocking going into the season, expecting so much and being given so little. So I, I just like, it, it's on my mind. I just had to yeah. continue with that thought. No, but obviously yeah. uh, I, I get it, man. You know, I forgot to mention a guy like Leo Carlson. I mean, he's mm-hmm. obviously going to be a huge part of, of the Ducks future and second overall pick in, in, uh, in, in the last draft uh, behind Connor Bedard. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really, I really wonder, and I think we're going to start to hear more as we get, uh, as we get closer to the draft, uh, about, I think we're going to hear more and more about Trevor Zegers possibly being shipped out of Anaheim because I just don't think he's a Pat Verbeek kind of guy. You know, you look at, you look at those other three guys down the middle, Chad Carlson, Cutter Gauthier, Mason McTavish, they're all big. They play a two-way game. Like they're just they're they're Pat Verbeek kind of guys. And I mm-hmm. just don't know with Seagris. But it's too bad because he was coming off a couple of decent seasons, you know, 60 points each or whatever. And then I just think the uh the offseason negotiation and 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 you know how it dragged on and only getting a bridge deal and coming in with more expectations and, and everything, I think it maybe just got to him a little bit and now he's injured. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Zegers. And look, I, I, I would think that there would be a ton of other NHL teams that would take a flyer on this guy because 100%. He, he, he has all the talent in the world. Absolutely. In fact, if, if he hits the trade block, he is already a Montreal Canadian because <laughs> that's exactly the player that Montreal loves. They, yeah. they love a project who has high upside. So there you well, go. And and we've already we've heard Kent Hughes say yet again that he one hundred percent is willing to um, you know trade assets to bring in a young player with offensive upside who needs a new opportunity. He's done it twice already with guys like Kirby Doc and and Alex Newhook, and you yep. know Doc is injured obviously this this year and hasn't played, but it it was looking pretty good, and I think it's going to be good for for a player like that and for a player like Alex Newhook. So yes, absolutely, uh, Montreal I think is the the uh, the destination for Zegers if he gets dealt. So we'll have to see there. But yeah, man, yeah. let's uh let's let's wrap up with the San Jose Sharks. I don't think we need to go into uh the Sharks too much. Look, man, like we we knew it was gonna be bad. We knew it was gonna be tough sledding for this team. I just don't think we I I don't think any of us thought it would be this bad. No. I think they've lost 14 of their last 15 you know they lose Oof. that game in a shootout to uh Chicago last night in in what I was joking about as kind of the toilet bowl you know the two teams yeah. that both want Macklin Celebrini number 1 overall but yeah it it's it's been really tough in San Jose man i give david quinn a lot of credit because it cannot be easy coaching this team and I give a lot of credit to a lot of the players and it's going to be interesting to see who stays and who goes at the deadline a guy like Mikhail Granlund is having a, a, a pretty good season with San Jose after he got traded to to Pittsburgh at the deadline last year which was just a disaster and so yeah. he's played really well and so I think for the Sharks like you know uh the the positive takeaways, if there are any, you're just looking for some some more growth out of some of your younger players, like a a William Eklund, who's been who's uh, who's kind of fighting it right now, like a lot of other Sharks players, but he's he's taken a, a step forward, I think, and you know a, a Koychuk who was in the the uh, the Timo Meyer deal with New Jersey, and then you deal some of uh, you know these these veterans. 
at the deadline, you can get some more of your younger players in there, like Bortolo, uh, Shakir Mukumadulin, and and some other guys. I think those are positives. And then, yeah, just get the highest pick you can. I really hope that this team gets Macklin Celebrini because um, I don't know if you knew this, Chad. He's got really, really strong connections to the San Jose Sharks. His dad I did. works for the works for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, you knew. Okay. He works I, for the yeah. Golden State Warriors and played for the played Junior for Sharks. The junior sharks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> um it like it it makes sense. Like it 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 would be a perfect fit. And uh clearly that's what this team is going for and rightfully so. And uh yeah, it's a franchise that really needs something like that for sure. But yeah, it's it's been it's been brutal. I'll just put it bluntly, man. It's been brutal for San Jose. Yeah, I'll I'll say a few things on the Sharks and then we can we can wrap up. I think we've covered mostly what we wanted to cover in the Pacific Division. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I'll say is the Leafs played the Sharks twice over the last, you know, ten days or whatever it was, and Man, especially that second game at home in Toronto, it looked like two teams in two different leagues. Like the Leafs had the puck the entire time. And like that's not me saying that the Leafs are so good. That's me saying that San Jose couldn't do anything, man. They couldn't no. even touch the puck. So it it's bad. The second thing I'll say is... um you know, you better be careful if you're the Sharks to not establish a culture of losing because we've seen this and, you know, if you're a bad team, sure, be bad, finish last. Dude, this team, like, how many wins are they realistically going to get this season? Like, this is historically bad. Like, they, they have 10 wins right now. They're not even going to get 20 wins. No, this season it's it's they bad. Have Ten and, wins through forty five games, and their their uh, goal differential is like, <laughs> it, dude. It, it's you want to know what it is? I have it right here. I, I I I know what it is off the top of my head. I believe I it, it it's like minus ninety four. Yes, that's yeah, right. That's their goal differential. Like that is that. Dude, they're they on, on pace, pace for a minus 200 goal differential this year. It, they are on pace to have the NHL's worst goal differential ever in the history of the league. Well, they like, put up back-to-back 10 spots against, right? Like, yeah. what do you expect from that? Like, uh, but but oh. back, back to my point, what I wanted to say is don't mm-hmm. establish a culture of losing because already... You have some of the guys on your team who you expect to be there in a few years when your team is expected to be good. You know, I'm talking about guys like Eklund, uh, guys like Zetterland, Akoychuk, players like that who mm-hmm. hopefully develop into good players on a, a team that will eventually be good. But, and we've seen this happen a few times and and... No offense, Harper, but we saw this happen a little bit in Buffalo over the years. There was a with, culture of with losing. Tim Murray. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, you know, you can be bad if it's purposeful, but this team is so bad. I can't believe it. And I'm not the first one to say this, but a culture of losing is bad for the development of your good young prospects. So just well, be it, careful. It yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when as soon as you brought that up, I was thinking about Tim Murray and the Buffalo Sabres and especially uh, going into that season before the 2015 draft. I mean, Murray was trading out everyone who did anything to help the team win. Like any goalie who made a save, they were they were traded out. Like they were trying that hard to get Connor McDavid. And what I fear for the San Jose Sharks is you're going to go through all this misery this season and the draft lottery is not going to go your way. You're not going to get get that fourth overall. We've (laughs) we've seen it before. And Mm -hmm. uh, that would be that would be an absolute disaster. Now, at the same time. They do have some other guys coming, like Will Smith, 
who they they took yep. fourth overall, and he looks like he's going to be a, a dynamite player. Philip uh, Bestead as well, who played really well for Sweden once again at the World Juniors. But uh, yeah, it's been brutal in San Jose, and I agree with you, Mike Greer and company. Uh, better better be careful because uh, yeah, you're you're in danger of establishing a, a losing culture here for sure. Yeah, but. We were bang on going back to our predictions. That's we right. picked them in the eighth spot and holy cow, are they in the eighth spot? They're actually yeah. in the 32nd spot. Yeah. Um, by, and- by a country mile. Well, shouldn't say, yeah. I mean, Chicago is not too far, uh, is not too far in front of them. And, yeah. uh, and again, they, uh, they did win the, uh, they did win the toilet bowl there between the two of them last yeah. night in Chicago. And it was close, man. Like that was a long shootout and a low scoring game as well. Yeah. So. One thing we said in, in the preseason rankings was that we thought that this team was going to score a lot and, yeah. you know, at the start of the year, they really didn't, but the scoring is starting to pick up. Like they have guys who you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out in, in their last on their last team. And, you know, they can be depth scoring, but they just have a lot of guys like that. Um, but the scoring, I think, is going to come and their goaltenders aren't that bad, despite no, the fact they, that they, no, they are, you know, so I don't know this team. Maybe they'll get 20 wins, but they're embarrassing. But anyway, yeah. I think that caps off the the Pacific, don't you? Absolutely. Yep. There we go. Uh, In-season uh, check-ins with the teams in the Pacific Division next week. Uh, hopefully get all three of us back and, uh, and, and we can do our check-ins with the teams in the Central. So look forward to that for episode 196. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Stay warm. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.